Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Moses is saying, look, you have an opportunity, you have a choice, you have a decision to make. And he's saying, it's life and death. Choose life. And that's exactly what Jesus is exhorting us to here in Matthew chapter 7. He's saying, enter by the narrow gate. Choose to come by the way that leads to life eternal. In a message entitled, The Narrow Way, Pastor Sam takes us through Matthew 7, verses 13 through 20. The most important decision we will ever make, life or death. Nothing that this world has to offer can ever be equal to what Jesus offers in what he calls the narrow way. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. We're looking at verses 13 through 20 as we continue our study through the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7. 13 through 20, the title of the message, The Narrow Way. Verse 13 begins with one more exhortation from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by your fruits, you will know them. Now, as we've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount, over and over we've seen our Lord exhorting us, commanding us, not just to to learn, but to obey, to apply, to make decisions. And you need to know that life is filled with decisions, none of them insignificant, and yet none of them as important as the decision that he commands us here to make. He says we've got to choose a gate. And we've got to decide a path. And having done so, we got to make sure that we continue on the path that he has laid out for us. Now, when we looked last time at his commands to ask, to seek, and knock, we saw they were present imperatives, what that means. And I don't like to give you a whole lot of Greek or people start to kind of glaze over their eyes, you know, and it's like, but you got to get a little because you, you want to become familiar with these concepts and ideas. A present imperative means it's a command and it's an ongoing command. So he said, ask, literally, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking with a promise to each of those. If you keep on asking, you'll receive. If you keep on seeking, you'll find. If you keep on knocking, it will be open to you. This is an imperative, but it's not present tense. It's aorist tense. That is so important because he's saying, once and for all, enter in through the narrow gate. 
He's telling us we have a choice to make. I know there are some people, potentially some who are here today, that that consider themselves fence-sitters, not really for Jesus, but certainly not against Jesus, just trying to check Jesus out. You need to know, he says you are either for him or against him. You're either with him or you're not. And so he commands us to choose. Now, he doesn't compel us to go his way. What he does is he lays out the destination. It's not just a choice of gate and and then a choice of path, but ultimately a destination. Because God created us to live with him and for him, to be blessed by him. He wants us, of course, to choose life. Life eternal, as we enter in through the door, we'll discuss it in a moment. And then life abundant as we walk that path, but ultimately everlasting life, because that's where the door and the path he wants us to choose lead to. Now, I realize for many here, you're saying, hey, I've already made that decision. I've already made that commitment. Well, hopefully that's true. But there will be some very practical applications for us as we look at this simple and straightforward yet profound and important teaching. Now, back in the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses was instructing the people of God, he basically tells them at one point, look it, I have laid before you a choice. Well, let me read it to you. You don't have to go back there with me, but if you're a note taker, you're going to want to jot it. And if you're not a note taker, I actually highly recommend at least jotting the references and some of the things that uh, we look at. Why? It'll make it easy for you to find it in the future. But here's what Moses has to say in Deuteronomy 30 verse 14, or verse um, 15, excuse me, see I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess." But if your heart turns away so you do not hear, you're drawn away, you worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land when you cross over the Jordan to go and to possess it. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Moses is saying, look, you have an opportunity. You have a choice. You have a decision to make. And he's saying, it's life and death. Choose life. And that's exactly what Jesus is exhorting us to here in Matthew chapter 7. He's saying, enter by the narrow gate. Choose to come by the way that leads to life eternal and leads to life abundant. In Psalm 1, many of you familiar with it, 
He really lays out the same type of thing. He says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it he meditates day and night. He says, choose wisely when you choose friends, when you choose those you associate with, those you listen to, those who counsel you. Why? Because if they're giving you God's counsel, good. But if you're getting ungodly counsel, well, that's, that's going to be a problem. It's going to be the path of destruction. And ultimately, he says that those decisions will lead either to fruitfulness and blessedness or, or to destruction and, and wastedness. So he exhorts us, enter in. Enter in once and for all. Make a decision. Now, the narrow gate, and we don't have to wonder what he's getting at here or trying to teach us here. Some have suggested, of course, that that Jesus points the way to the gate in his exhortation or even leads the way to the gate in his example. I would suggest to you that Jesus says he is the gate. And in John's Gospel, chapter 7, actually John's Gospel throughout the uh, the book, Jesus tells us seven different times that he is the I am. And what he does is he takes that that title that God gave to Moses when Moses was saying, hey, who shall I say sent me? I mean, do you have a card, some way I can identify you? And he says, just tell him I am sent you. Well, Jesus in John grabs hold of this for us. And he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. And you got to know, door, gate, it's really the same thing. He is, in fact, the gate he says we must enter in through. He is the door that he says we must enter in through. He also says, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. And the sixth of those seven, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So here's the picture he gives us. There are two doors. He doesn't want us to guess a door or just say, well, let's see, I wonder which one would be. No, he says, behind this door, man, there is life eternal and life abundant, life with the Father, life serving the Father. Behind this door, death, destruction, devastation, hell, You'd think that people, knowing they were having to make a choice, would all choose wisely, would all choose life. But if that were the case, it wouldn't even be necessary to say, choose life or enter in through the narrow door. Now, there's a bit of a paradox here, and you'll see it as we look at this. Enter through the narrow gate, he says, for wide is the gate and broad the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. We'll come back to that in a moment. Because narrow, he says, is the gate, and difficult the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The the paradox is this. He's saying, choose wisely, and you'll have life. Life eternal, life abundant. But he says that life will still be filled with difficulties. He describes those for us as you go through the gospel records. Persecution tribulation, trial, struggles from within, struggles from without. So 
if we choose the narrow gate, and if we choose to walk the, the, the narrow path, he says, it will be a difficult road. Don't let that, though, dissuade you from choosing wisely. Why? He walks that narrow, difficult path with us. He says, his yoke is easy. His burden light, we connect with him when we enter into him and enter in through him. And then he yokes himself with us. And I found personally the only time the ministry or being a dad or being a husband or any other responsibility and opportunity God's given me becomes too much is when I take things on myself God never intended me to bear. When it's his thing, he bears the load. When it's his thing, I'm yoked with him. He makes it work. Well, he says then, there is a narrow door and there is a broad door. There is a difficult path and then there's a wide and relatively easy path. The problem is... Ultimately, the destination that the broad path will lead you to. Now, I'm sure you've had this experience, and if you haven't, you will at some point. You begin to explain to people that the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Not just a way, not just a truth, not just a life. And they're like, man, that's far too narrow. You Christians, you're, you're so narrow-minded. It's your way or the highway. Well... That is, in fact, what Jesus is saying. But he's also saying, choose my way. He's not compelling it. He's not forcing the issue, but he is offering. Come my way. Come by way of the cross. Come by way of me. And so when people come, and they will, and they say, well, you're just narrow-minded. You're, they're, they're, I believe that there are many ways that lead to God. That's what some say. I believe all roads lead to God. All religions are basically the same. And, and I, I just think that God and you and you guys need to broaden your horizons. Well, what I tell people in that case is, listen, if you don't like the narrow way, there is, in fact, a broad way. God says so right here. It's an easier gate. It's a broad path. The problem is it leads to destruction. And we're told in the Old Testament, there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. It would make sense if we didn't have God's revelation that any sincere person would end up in heaven. But God doesn't judge us on our sincerity alone. No, faith has got to be in someone faithful. Someone trustworthy. I can have all the confidence in the world that Buddha will save me, but the problem is Buddha didn't die for my sins. Buddha wasn't buried and rose again the third day. Buddha never claimed that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And so when people say, well, I believe in Buddha, Jesus would say, well, then you're lost. You're on the wrong road. You've entered into the wrong gate. But Here's a detour over. Come back to the narrow gate. Get on the difficult path that I've purposed and planned for you, the one that leads to everlasting life. When people say, well, it doesn't seem right that God would you know, not include the Hindus. I mean, they believe in God just as much as we do. Well, yeah, but they don't believe in the same God. And that's one of the things I often hear people saying is that, well, everyone's really worshiping the same God. They're just kind of approaching him from a different angle or seeing him in a different light. Or, 
But aren't they all worshiping the same God to which we have to be honest and say no? They're not. Why? Hindus believe there are millions of gods. Now, it's not possible that you can be worshiping the one true and living God if you just put him among millions of others. God says, I am the Lord your God. I created you. I formed you. There's no other God but me. There's no other Savior but me. And so we can't say, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Muhammad. I believe in Buddha. I believe in Krishna. Jesus is the one that makes it exclusive and demands a choice, demands a decision. And our choice, our decision will determine our destiny, will determine our eternity. No wonder he commands us then to make a good decision. Enter once and for all by the narrow gate. Why? Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. You see, that's the problem. The broad path, the easy path, the path that multitudes are on, it leads away from God. It's the path of deception. It's the path of destruction. And sadly, tragically, he says, there are many who go by it. But narrow is the gate, difficult the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, don't let that word few make you think there won't be many people in heaven. It's not going to be like, you know, 50 people up there and only a few of us made it. No, few comparatively. We know from our study of Revelation, millions and millions of people will be in heaven. Millions and millions of worshipers of the true and living God. But multitudes perish every day and in every generation. I think it was Franklin Graham I heard say the other day, or or Billy, I can't remember. It sounds so much alike. If you shut your eyes, you can't tell the difference. But but uh, I heard one of them say that, you know, people ask about war and how many, you know, deaths war bring about. When you're thinking eternally, war doesn't add to the number of deaths at all. And here's why. A hundred percent of people die. War only brings about a death through the war. But ultimately, everyone dies. Everyone stands in judgment. And when we're judged, we're going to be judged on which door we entered through, which path we were on. Did we trust in Jesus? Did we walk with Jesus? Did we yield our life to Jesus? Well, it is impossible, you need to know, to separate these two, the narrow gate and the narrow path. One of the things I sometimes see my brothers and sisters doing, thinking, is that, okay, I've come through the narrow gate, I've made a decision for Jesus, and uh, the thing is, I just, I just want to kind of spend some time on the broad path. And we, we chuckle because we know it's true. It's like, yeah, we, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, well, if, if our only other option is death and destruction and hell, well, yeah, we want to be saved. But you can't separate the two. You can't take the narrow gate and then walk the broad path. Why? The broad path has its own access. It has its own destination. And so we've got to decide not just to go through and, and come to Jesus, but to walk with and grow in and rightly represent. It's why this passage is spoken to believers and really for believers. 
Yes, it's an exhortation. If you haven't given your life to the Lord, do so today. Don't wait another day, another hour, another moment. Give your life to Jesus. But if you've done that, maybe you're walking and you're thinking, man, I'm serving the Lord. I'm, I'm faithful to the Lord. I'm growing in the Lord. I'm, I'm witnessing for the Lord. And it seems like things are getting tougher. It seems like things are getting harder. Well, of course they are. He said that was going to happen. When you weren't walking with the Lord, you didn't have to wrestle with your flesh. You just submitted yourself to any fleshly desire you had. Well, maybe you restrained yourself for fear of consequence in some. But the truth is, a life lived outside of Christ is a life lived in the flesh. But when you come to Christ, now your spirit is at war with your flesh. The Spirit of God dwells within every born-again believer in the flesh. And the Spirit, we're told, man, they go at it day and night. Always, each of them wanting to dominate, to control. Now, the Spirit of God wants to control because, well, He knows what's best. He's trying to accomplish His purposes in and through your life. But the flesh wants to control because it used to. And you and I have to make a decision. Not only, though, do we have the problem with our flesh, we have a problem with the world. Because the world that used to love us and think we were so cool and so, you know, everything they thought, well, maybe they didn't think we were cool, we were deluded into thinking they did, though. And so, you know, you partied if you did in college and through that season and everybody thought you were happening and with it and all of a sudden you're... Well, I don't do that anymore. I don't want to do that. And, and then the mocking starts and then the, the ridicule starts and, and the persecution starts. And listen, Jesus said that was going to happen. He says, why are you surprised? If they hated me, they'll hate you. If they love me, they'll love you. And, and so we choose the narrow way because he is the way and we choose the difficult path because that's the path we walk with him and when we want to go the other direction we're messing ourselves up now there's another possibility here an equally devastating and well actually more devastating because if you're in fact going to walk with jesus you're going to have to deny yourself take up your cross and follow him and uh, years ago, decades ago, when I was young, there was a song called 99 and a Half Just Won't Do. It's an awesome song. It said, you've got to have a hundred, you know. It's pretty much this is going to be the way it's going to be. And, and really, you need to know that two out of three will never cut it. Some people think, if I deny myself and I take up my cross... That will be enough for God. I don't really have to enter in through Jesus or follow after Jesus. I'll establish my own righteousness before God because, after all, I'm denying myself. I, I'm living for others. And that's what it means to take up your cross, by the way. It means that you are, are, are crucifying your old nature, your old self. You're identifying with Jesus who identified with you in death, in the death on the cross. Now you're identifying with him on the cross and you're beginning to live for others. Well, it's possible to, to deny yourself and take up your cross but never begin to follow Jesus. And I meet people like that all the time. They're religious people. And they think, well, I'm going to be okay because look at all I've left behind and look at all I'm doing. We're going to deal with this issue head on next time as we conclude chapter 7. 
But we don't want to be deluded into thinking just because we've made decisions to stop doing certain things and to start doing other things that we must be right in the sight of God. That's what the Pharisees thought, those religious leaders of Jesus' day. And if you've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, you'll remember Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. We need a righteousness that is acceptable to God, imputed by God. Well, in any case, there's a narrow and difficult way it leads to everlasting life. We are exhorted, we are commanded to make a decision and then live that decision. Narrow is the gate, difficult the way that leads to everlasting life. In John 14, 6, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. I think about the thief on the cross. He did not have the time to seek, time to change his ways, and I'm sure he was very happy that God made the path narrow, made the path simple with only one choice, as his choice was hanging on the cross right next to him. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.